We know that building wealth comes from owning businesses and making investments. Yet why still do nearly half of businesses fail in the first five years, and why do others lose it all in their investments? Welcome to the Wealth Watchers Podcast, your resource for building a massive net worth. We bring real stories from real people who are experts in business and investing, who will share secrets and actionable strategies to amassing wealth and achieving success. Brought to you by Happy Camper Capital. And now, your hosts, Justin Hoggett and Adam Lendy. Your house is not an asset. What? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, everybody. Adam Lendy, Justin Hoggett here. Um, We are going to talk to you today about why your house is not an asset and why you need to stop trading up to bigger houses. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, I mean, that's what we've all been told growing up. You know, it's a a common uh, thing that brokers tell you too, right? Your house is an asset, but guess what? It's not. An asset's something that has exchangeable value, right? Well, doesn't my house have exchangeable value? Boom, it's an asset, right? You could think that in one way or another, but what's a true asset? True asset is bringing you in money and, and cash flow. And um, not a liability, which is what your house is, right? The liability of it. What do you think? Well, but my house appreciates, right? Doesn't it? Doesn't it grow value? So isn't that making money? Right. So I guess it adds to your personal net worth, huh? But yeah, what if you, what if you lose your job? What if you die? What happens to it? Um. Who? Well. I guess, you know, if I'm not making my payment, the bank's going to take it back, aren't they? Yeah. And all those payments that you already made on it, that'd be pretty Down bad the drain. Thing. Down the drain. Ah, uh, okay. So my house isn't an asset. So it makes it a liability then. Uh, it is a liability because you have to pay on it every month. Nothing's coming in for it. You know, you're the sole responsible party to keep that one going. So why are we always keeping up with the Joneses then? Why are we why why are we trading up to bigger houses all the time every time we get a pay raise? What's what's the deal there? Like what's why are people doing this? It's a good question, right? I mean, what do you think? It it feels good? Yeah, I guess. You know, I mean, I guess we're we're kind of programmed. Television teaches us to do it, right? We're supposed to keep trading up and getting bigger better things. That's just, that's our sign of success, isn't it? Right? And uh all of a sudden we have equity from appreciation and a pay down. And, and now we, we have, you know, call it a hundred thousand dollars in our house. What can we do with that hundred thousand? Maybe I can go get a bigger one. Be more. In Ooh, depth. that sounds like a great idea. Let's go shopping. <laughs> That's right. Huh? Okay. So if, if it's, if it's an, a liability, then if I'm trading up houses, I'm taking on a bigger liability. Yeah, and the banks sure like that, don't they? Right? Well, yeah, because I'm paying them interest that, and I'm resetting right. the clock for that interest every time I refinance or buy a new house. Right. And think about the interest payments that you are making every month. Uh, and when you start that clock, have you ever looked at an amortization schedule? Right. It's not simple interest. You're, go- you're paying a lot of front loaded interest for the first many years of that 30 years that you're tied to them. And uh, wouldn't it be nice to reset that clock as a bank? 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's why we that's why we do it, right? I mean, but you know, like we refinance to get that lower rate. And isn't that a good thing? Oh, it feels good. You know, I, I I'm saving, you know, hundred, two hundred dollars a month by doing a refinance or uh upgrading to a different house at a lower rate, which yeah, you know, feels good. But uh but if you look at all your payments made over time, you're actually paying a lot more for that house than you probably think you you would be. Yeah, and that's why we focus so hard on net worth here because net worth is the equalizer. You know, you can have someone who's got that million dollar house and you can have someone who's got that modest, you know, I would say it's I say modest $400,000 house here in the Denver market, you know, that used to actually be a really nice house. But uh, somebody who's got that modest house and they can have wildly opposing net worth. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just that that idea that I guess, you know, that bigger house is potentially a bigger liability. I mean, if if you are upgrading that million dollar house, you know, by the time you pay it off, you know, kind of we kind of like Justin mentioned earlier, it's it's that that debt service you're paying, you're probably going to pay two and a half times that. Easily, maybe three times that. You know, so that that million dollar house just became a two and a half million dollar liability. Um, you know, even even if it's worth a little more than that at the end. Right. Yeah. So you might have some equity in it and increase your your personal net worth as your own home appreciates. But uh, what what do you do when you upgrade your house? I mean, generally, you're probably going to be increasing your payments. Uh, you know, even if it's a better interest rate, you're still having to pay those higher payments for that bigger house uh, that will keep you working harder, trading your time for money like we talked about in the last episode. And requiring yourself to be in that job to pay your house to pay those car bills just to uh, upgrade when you could possibly be totally happy with where you're at so um you know not saying we hmm. we don't all want to upgrade i mean that's i i want to upgrade right don't you you know wouldn't that be great so try and eliminate some desire yeah. there but but it's still our goal is to increase our net worth increase uh, our assets not our liabilities and uh, to move forward into proper retirement, that's the best way to do it. And your house shouldn't be on that list, should be on the liability list, not the asset list. Got it. So, Justin, for our listeners, uh, so let's say we're in our house and it does meet our needs, but we've got that pay raise that's burning a hole in our pocket. What could we do with that money instead? You know, uh, maybe, maybe an effort to not upgrade your house might be to just throw a little bit into it to upgrade what you would like to see in your own house, right? Like not to say you can't spend money on things that help you out and make you uh, more comfortable with where you're at, but, uh, but to utilize that money in a way to increase passive income and uh, making proper investments right into the, into the stock market uh, intelligently uh, into real estate, into happy camper capital. So other methods to increase your, net worth and cash flow off of the money that you got. And the the more you can save, the more you can put away, the more you can invest, the less you're actually going to have to work in the long run. Right. Because your financial freedom is, is, is that indicator that comes once you've surpassed your cost of living with passive income. So once you've hit that number, you're now financially free. But if we keep raising that house payment by buying that bigger house, how are we ever going to get to that point? Yeah, they call it the rat race, right? Oh man, that's that's a fun game, isn't it? <laughs> Cash flow, yes. 
So, um, you know, getting uh, educated. Um, I'm trying to think of the the quote I recently heard. Um, you know, investing is not risky. Um, how, do you do you know this one? Risky. Uh, investing is not inherently risky because investing involves making money on your money. Uh, yeah, and and just being knowledgeable about what you're investing in. Uh, it it doesn't have to be risky. Um, risky is not making a move, not doing what you should be doing with your money, um, not being educated. That's the risky part. And so for our listener who's got you know the, the house that fits their needs right now, maybe they refinanced in the last year, they got a great interest rate on the house. Um, what's that next step that they can take to move from this house that's a liability uh, to an asset or better to turn it into an asset? Yeah. So let's talk about some of those options and the houses that uh, are out there. We could purchase a rental property. We could, uh, you know, increase our cash flow from a rental property. We could uh, property ladder, which takes you from the house you're in maybe to uh, after you've lived in it for a couple of years and moved into your next one. So maybe you actually do improve your house. Um, you know, and you kind of get the best, best of both worlds. You can get a better house and keep the one that you were just in as a great rental property. So an option there. Can you think? I of love an- property laddering. Oh, go, sorry. Go ahead. Can you think of another one? Uh, no, I wanted to expand on property laddering because that is one of my favorite ways to do it. Um, because a lot of people, they don't buy that rental property because they need to put that larger down payment on it. You know, a lot of the banks are going to require 20% down, maybe 15% if you're really lucky, which is just a big chunk of money and you tend to have higher interest rates. But you get the best of both worlds, kind of as you mentioned, when you get to keep that same mortgage, that sweet 2.75% you just refinanced last year and buy your next house and now your renter's paying down that much lower interest mortgage. And then, yeah, you do get to maybe top grade your house a bit. And, and that's exactly what we did. Um, I guess it's about nine years ago now. Uh, moved out of our first house uh, right before we refinanced it. And at that time was a really good rate. Actually, I, th- I think it's still a good rate because rates haven't fluctuated that much over the last decade, but uh, moved into a nicer home where um, we could really enjoy my family. So um, there is a time for it and it kind of springboarded us into the investment real estate platform. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it took me a few houses. It wasn't my first. I didn't have that muscle working for me yet. But uh, the big aha came for me, you know, when I did it a few houses in, in realizing that I could hold on to that first one and still buy the second one. Um, you know, I, I want to share kind of a, a, a short story on this about apparel I made early on in my real estate investment life. Uh, my first home was a house I bought shortly after the 2008 um, housing market crash. And when I sold it two years later to move closer to a job, I sold it at almost a loss. Uh, And when I say almost a loss, I mean, after I closed on it, I walked away with a thousand dollars, you know, and looking back and I can see you smiling already, Justin, because you know that I could have turned that into a rental. There was absolutely no need for me to sell that place because that thousand dollars was not a make or break for me on the next house. That's right. So it's got to be tough, huh? Oh my gosh. It's one of those regrets I have every single day. That thing would have been a great income generator. Yeah. And um, that just brings to mind a... Uh, question that was asked to uh, a previous investor a while back that had mentioned is always kind of stuck in my head. And his his uh, one regret over the last 20 years, because he's been in it for a while, 
He says, I wish I would have kept everything I ever bought. <laughs> now, of course, that's sometimes impossible because we move our money from one asset to another and utilize some of that leveraging. But uh, based on the markets and how Denver's grown and and just seeing some of these other markets around the country just continue to escalate and go crazy, you know, it's, it's a great thing to keep your property, hold on to it, let it work for you. So, yeah. Um, if you would only started a little sooner, huh? Yeah. And, you know, I think the common thing that people run into, because I know I ran into this as an early homeowner, so I'm sure somebody else out there listening is in the same boat I was in, is that we want to see our money. You know, when it's tied up in, in a piece of property, we can't necessarily touch it. It's, it's very illiquid. You know, so we want to see that money. Well, the only way to see your money is to sell it. You know, and then, of course, selling it, you're taking that money out of the game. It's not working for you anymore. And in fact, you might be taking a loss on it if you have to pay capital gains or if there are any fees you have to pay for that sale. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and that kind of brings up another topic. You know, how can you use your current house and uh, a HELOC, right? A HELOC is a powerful tool and we've used it a lot. If you um, get a low rate right now, they are low rates. Um, they are fluctuating on a HELOC, which I should mention, it's a home equity line of credit. So it's uh, from the bank, you can get it and uh, utilize the equity, a certain percentage of the equity in your home. And it's almost like a credit card in a sense, right? You can take that money, use it. Uh, that's what we did. We bought a bunch of houses with it and then pay it right back as, as fast as you can. Now, you know, obviously you've got to make sure your numbers look good and you've got uh, a property that's going to be able to pay for both the mortgage and the HELOC because you are paying interest. But uh, another way is to tap into the HELOC and utilize those funds. I think it's worth mentioning because you made a great point that while a HELOC is a lot like a credit card on the house, just like a credit card, you can use it for other things. So you got to be careful about what you use that for, because remember, this is equity that you have built and you are also paying interest on this. So let's not double down on our debt and buy depreciating assets with this. So don't use the HELOC to buy a car. Don't use it to fund your next trip. You know, use it for other investments. That's that's the goal here, right, Justin? That is. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's nice to see it. Uh, it's there, you know, um, the HELOC, you can see the money. Uh, but it is very tempting and keep that devil, devil off your shoulder. You know, you, <laughs> you don't want to be spending any on, on the, all the wrong things. Maybe you can take a vacation, you know, whatever, but, um, anything that helps pay for what you want to buy is, is better off in the long run, increasing your net worth. And we, we have, a we, we once bought a house solely so that we could buy ATVs. We were like, you know what? I don't want to buy ATVs. Um, how can I afford them? I don't, I can't really afford them. Wait, I'll buy a house and my tenant will pay for them. So we did. <laughs> so the passive income from that house made, made the payments for the ATVs. That's right. So I, I did borrow for the ATVs. Brilliant. Super, super cheap interest rate, but also bought a house to make sure it was, it was covered. So yeah, you know, a little best of both worlds there. That's a, it's a, it's a different mindset getting into that. So I can think of two other strategies for making your current house an asset. Uh, we, we talked before the show about house hacking, um, and, and house hacking quite simply is taking your current house or buying a house for the purpose of renting out the rooms in it. 
Now, I've got a friend who is in the mortgage business, and she's got a great story about this. And, and I love this story that her son, when he was going to college, needed a place to live that was close to his school. So he bought. The, she helped him with the strategy, of course, of buying a house, a five-bedroom house. And they rented out four of the other bedrooms. In, in the end, her son not only got to live for free, but he had a couple, of, a couple hundred dollars a month extra coming in as income. So that's, that's a great way to use a house. On his own house. On his own house that he got to live in with his friends. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Worked out pretty well for him. And he was paying down that mortgage. So is even additional cash uh, equity into his pocket. Absolutely. And he, he could up and move out anytime and put another tenant in there and then just have a lot more cash flow. There you go. Yeah. And then the, the, the next strategy, of course, is short-term rental. So um, Airbnb, for those who kind of like house hacking, you could you could take a room in your house or maybe if you have a mother-in-law suite or a private entrance or, you know, a pool house or carriage house of some kind, you can rent that out for some extra income. Right. And we've bought a couple houses just like that, um, where the mother-in-law suites in the back, you know, it hasn't really seemed to affect the people living there. They uh, almost seem to like it because they, they have an uh, immediate neighbor and they can help with lawn care and uh, snow shoveling and whatever. So watch over the house while you're gone. So yeah, it works out really well. Perfect. Yeah. And then the short-term rental, of course, you know, that's subject to local regulation and that's something that's seeing a lot of heavy regulation, especially in some of the bigger cities around the country. So if that's something you're going to look into, you definitely want to make sure you talk with your CPA and look at the local, um, liabilities potentially on that. Cause I know some cities are charging quite a bit for that nowadays. Um, I've heard 15% in some cities even. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, personally, we're not able to do that. And we looked at doing that for maybe our basement, but, um, we're unfortunately not able to do that. So yeah, definitely do your due diligence before you invest even more money into your house or, or start advertising. You might uh, regret it. So watch out. Perfect time for a disclaimer. We are not CPAs. We are not attorneys. Um, yeah. So consult with your professionals before getting into any of these investment strategies. All right. So, so yeah, um, I ho hopefully some, some people kind of learned something here that the house is not the asset um, that uh, maybe we all thought it might have been in the beginning. But uh, yeah, so how, are we going to, should we uh, try to find another asset? Absolutely. I think it's time. We got to do it. So before <laughs> you upgrade your next house, look into the possibilities you got out there because they are abound. Um, and then, of course, join us on Facebook. We're launching a discussion today on the release of this podcast episode on passive versus active investing and what that can look like for you. So jump on Facebook, look up the Wealth Watchers Net Worth Growth Club, and of course, join in the conversation. Um, you know, join our members on there. Again, there's a lot of synergy going on in that group. Um, you know, folks who are sharing their knowledge and experience to help you grow your wealth. Justin, any closing points? No, but I'll, uh, I'll be on there helping and sharing as well. So I look forward to seeing everyone out there. Okay. Thanks for joining. Until next time, I'm Adam and this is Justin. Have a good day. All right. See you later. Thank you for listening to Wealth Watchers. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on your podcast player of choice. If you found value in this episode, please share it with one person you know who could benefit from these tools and strategies. For more information on Wealth Watchers, please visit happycampercapital.com.